I kind of wanted to get some professionals on from different places who are kind of like uh, experts and stuff, uh, mostly for the benefit of uh, gamers and aspiring artists in our region, because we don't really have access to people like you. Like for me to go to GDC, I need to save like six months salary and sort out my visa and hope it doesn't get rejected and all that stuff. Yeah. Famously a big big issue. Yeah, Yeah, no, of course. Absolutely. There's in fact, there's, a good friend of mine um, makes it his mission every year to try and solve exactly that, uh, to, to make it easier for folks, especially the visa problem uh, for which, you know, even infinite money can't solve, you know, it, it, it's, it's, and it's, it's a huge pain. And it's one of those things that GDC is not better uh, with fewer people coming and with you know kind of a wide range of ideas and backgrounds and experiences and 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 interests in gaming and very true so yeah no i i'm thrilled that we can have a chat like this and and find a way to connect that's not dependent on those sorts of things because um what a loss it would be you know if we had no way to ever interact it would be it'd be awful Welcome to another episode of the Nerdotaku Gaming Podcast. This week we have a special guest, Mr. Austin Wintery, composer of video games such as The Pathless, Abzu, The Banner Saga, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and the multiple award-winning video game Journey. Hope you enjoy this podcast and thank you for listening. Okay, I guess we can jump right in. Um, so uh, for people who may not know, how could you describe like what you do basically in the industry? Sure. Well... Basically, it's actually quite simple. I write music for games. Um, sometimes my role uh, expands beyond that. And part of writing music uh, very often means talking with the team about all the sort of you know core principles of a game. So I might be, as part of my trying to figure out what the music should be like, I may end up in long conversations about the story of the game or the mechanics of the game where we are brainstorming on things and, and the game may end up even changing as a result of those conversations. But fundamentally, it's all in service of how can I effectively add music to this game and with the goal being how to just make it fundamentally a better game by doing so, you know, whether it's emotionally propelling it by you know, making the exciting parts more exciting or the tragic parts more heartbreaking or whatever, but also by analyzing the game's mechanics, you know, how do you actually play the game? What do you do? As we often say, what are the verbs? You know, what, like, am I running and jumping? Am I shooting? Am I solving puzzles? Am I talking to people? You know, is it something more, you know, am I, am I drawing? What, what, what am I, doing to interact with the game and, and then the question is how can the music integrate with that experience so that it's not just you know like a layer of paint that i'm just kind of slathering on top of the game but but how can i kind of move with it and dance with it so that it, it, the music is alive you know in other words music in games is not just background music in the way that a film and it's not even fair to say movies are just background music because music can be so much more in a movie as well but in a game, you can really integrate with the mechanics. You know, obvious examples would be, you know, I don't know, like uh, 
Crypt of the Necro Dancer. You know, the, yeah. the music is actively a part of the experience. Like you, you can't, you can't even really play the game if you're if you have it muted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, and that's just one example. But the the way the music can kind of be, you know, dripped down into the cracks of the actual gameplay is is the other part of what I do. So there's a very sort of quick and dirty answer for you, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's sort of clear. I think it's pretty. Expensive. I think you, 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 with that, you actually answered a question which I had on the side as well, which was the level of interaction which mm. you, as a music writer, has with the rest of the dev team. I think there's a sort of, a, I don't know if it's a misconception or an idea that the composers of video game music are kind of like way more separate from the other devs. It's so it's really not yeah, it's not it's not um, it's not really a misconception because like if you look at it through a business standpoint on paper most of the time we are distinctly separate from the developer insofar as the developer is like a business that exists you know like they like like i just worked on this aliens game for example and they they um uh the studio is called cold iron that's the the core development team it's like i don't know 40 or 50 people uh kind of near san francisco and for the people that work at that company you know they get their weekly paycheck from cold iron they have meetings they have a you know, cold iron email address, you know, like John at cold iron, whatever, like all the normal things you would expect of an actual employee. I have none of those things. I am a freelancer who is, who is engaged by the company. So on a very literal level, I am outside. I am looking through the window, you know? Um, and, but, and, and some composers kind of, that's how they're most comfortable. They, they, they say, please just kind of tell me what you need and I'll send it your way. And then the rest is up to you internally because they're moving project to project very quickly and that sort of thing. And, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But I personally, I love, I love games. Before I ever wanted to be a composer, I wanted to make video games, you know? Like to me, I love, I love the art of game design. So I love to be as integrated with the team as much as possible, if only because it's amazing to watch them work. It's amazing to see the kinds of discussions that lead to all those little nitty gritty details. I mean, you'll see, I mean, you'll, you know, you you play like a shooter and you'll see a three hour meeting of them just talking about, you know, how to fairly tune like this gun's ammo reload time versus that gun's ammo reload time because they want to make sure that they're balancing, you know, fun and easiness with challenge and stimulus. And, you know, it's, so I, I love that. I love that stuff. So I'm always trying to, kind of fight back against the natural tendency for my type of job to be on the outside. Um, so, you know, I very often uh, attend their meetings, you know, the design meetings or the art team meetings, they do what's called standups, which is basically just kind of this presentation of, hey, what's everybody been working on? Um, and they go around the room and, you know, the art team says, here's our latest, the animators say, here's our latest. And, you know, I'll, I'll present sometimes, oh, here's the latest music. And that way the team also feels like, hey, they get to talk about the music and that makes them feel like they're part of it as well. So everybody just kind of comes together. Uh, so yeah, I 
it's not necessarily the standard, although I find a lot of my friends and colleagues who are composers, they also try to be pretty connected to the team. There's a few exceptions, but most of the time, yeah. Um, and then there, there are, obviously, it's worth just throwing in there, there are also composers who actually are part of the company. A great example, of course, being my my very dear friend, Darren Korb, who is the actual audio director for Supergiant Games. And when writing music on like Hades or Transistor or Pyre, um, he's he's also got his weekly paycheck and blah, blah, blah. And he's, he's part of the team and his responsibilities are also therefore um, total sound design, voiceover, dialogue editing, you know, all, all the technical implementation and, and things like that. So it, there's a range of possibilities, but yeah, your, your, your question is, is, is a good one because uh, a lot of people, I think, rightly understand us to be separate, but they also underestimate how much we can still be part of it anyway, despite what the contract says, essentially. <laughs> That's illuminating. <laughs> that's that's what well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's it's one of those it's one of those things because I'm a freelancer, you know, I can kind of lean in to a production to my own, you know, taste. Like and and, and it also it's worth saying also it can it can go in waves. You know, I'm very often involved in projects for several years. You know, if a project comes out in twenty 21 i'll just use the aliens game as an example since it just came out that that um the fire team elite i mean that that game came out a couple weeks ago i they signed me to the project uh almost exactly two years ago and wow. so the way and that's fairly normal you know journey was three years abzu was three years uh pathless was three years banner saga was about two and a half years for each of the three of those games one of the shortest ones was Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and that was fully a year as well. Uh, so, that's, like that, they're they're all they're all fairly long. That's what so weird say? to me that the Assassin's Creed, which is the AAA game and has like a thousand developers, was the shortest. I thought it would be the complete opposite. Well, part of it was that with a game like that, they spend so much time. You know, they'll they'll work on it for years, but a massive amount of time of that is just building the technology so that the game will actually work. You know, because big, complicated open world games, they take uh, forever just to have that foundation, you know, just to get, like in the case of Syndicate, just to get the Victorian London map up and running where they're, they can create like all the systems, you know, they need, they need the NPCs to be able to understand where the roads are and the sidewalks specifically. And they need to have the horses and carriages be able to follow the roads and stay on the correct side of the road and to like stop when there's someone crossing. And you know, it's just like, none of that, none of that is like you hit a checkbox in the engine and it does all that. Like it has to be made from scratch basically. So they spend years and years doing stuff like that before they're even ready to have a conversation about like, well, what should the music, like what even is the game? What is, what is the story? What is the, you know, like they, when they hired me, they hadn't even finished recording most of the actors performances, like, like uh, Paul Amos and Victoria Atkin as the Fry twins, for example, like they all, when I would play the cutscenes, which were all very kind of rough, uh, you know, placeholder visuals, they all had the, the like, you know, text to speech, just, sort of generative like AI voice because the the actors hadn't done it yet. So it was just placeholder like 
we are going to go to Westminster Abbey, you know, or whatever. And um, so, yeah, it, it, it's it's like it's like this exponential curve. They have to spend a long time laying that foundation and then they can get a lot done really quickly. So, yeah, they 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 reached out to me about a year before the game shipped. And then we did initial kind of um, exploration and, and then about maybe nine and a half to 10 months before it shipped is when I really, you know, got rolling. Um, and um, so, yeah, that one, it, it was still plenty of time, even though it was a lot to do. I mean, it was, you know, something like three and a half hours worth of music. And that's, you know, I can comfortably write that amount in that amount of time, but it was, it was nice. It would have been starting to get a little interesting if I'd had, you know, a lot less than that, because we're also testing it and we were refining the systems of the way the combat music works and the way it interacts with various open world music systems and then the mission music systems and the cutscene music system and all, you know, there's, there was a lot to kind of not just write the music, but then test it and make sure that it works. So um, that's another big part of it. You know, it's never just, it's never just, oh, I want to cook up some tunes. It's like, okay, let's actually put it in the game and see if it works, you know, and play test it and then throw it away and try something different, you know? And sometimes I do that like Pathless. God, I wrote so much music that I threw away because we would try it and we're like, nah, this feels too aggressive or this is too, this is boring or that, you know, like this is blah, 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 whatever. And there's no way to know it until you have a controller in your hand and you just, run around in the world with the music playing and just kind of absorb the total package. So that's that's a big part of it as well. Yeah, makes sense. That actually um, drives me to kind of my next question. How involved are you in like the, the, the way the music shifts from battle music to just exploring to mm -hmm. say cutscene? And sometimes it feels like it's like it's just flowing into one another. How involved are you in like the uh, like you mentioned, like with the guns, like the sound stuff, is that, um, do you interact with the sound director or sound designer or whatever? Like who has yep. final say on who puts what, where? Would you, would you ever see a cutscene and be like, I didn't write that piece for that cutscene. I'm afraid <laughs> here. Like how, how does that work? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, every project is obviously, uh, you know, going to be a little different, um, and it's going to depend on things like, you know, is it the first game ever by this studio? Like, are they are they a brand new company? I've worked with a lot of teams where it's their first their first game, you know, like doing Abzu with Giant Squid, even though the creative director, Matt, was the art director on Journey and we had worked together, therefore, for, you know, for three full years on that project. This was a new company. He was new to the director role. Um, and uh, and all the other team members at Giant Squid were new hires. So like when you're working with a new company, there's often a real open, um, uh, uh, excited sort of like, hey, you know, you tell us how you think it should be, you know, because they, they're, they're learning so many new things all at once that um, the idea of having this kind of dictator approach to it's going to be like this and I get final say and that that's pretty rare for new companies and 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 even you know companies that have been around like a Ubisoft or a Microsoft or whatever Sony um, they often will have a very specific way they like to do things because they've shipped like 500 games 
and now they've kind of figured out what they like best and they're very often trying to onboard you into that but it's never flavored at least in my experience it's never really been flavored with this is how we want to do it and just shut up and don't ask questions it's much more like this is what's worked you know like if you're working on a sony title it's like well our recent projects include you know the last of us ghost of tsushima god of war uh, you know like ratchet and clank spider-man you know i suspect it's we you we know what we're doing <laughs> uh and uh and they certainly do um and um so you're so often you're trying to figure out you know are we gonna write the rules as we go or is it is it like in other words is it a kind of blank canvas or are we uh am i do i need to learn your methods and so all the answer to your question kind of boils down to where that ends up because you know like when you asked who gets final say for example <clears throat> um very often you know it's it's kind of democratic where they just sort of say well it's sort of let's just work it out until until we're all in agreement you know it's collaborative there is no final say i mean theoretically the creative director or someone at the very top if if they absolutely you know if you just reach this impossible block and somebody has to make the call theoretically but that's so rare normally you you build consensus and um on 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 these creative uh you know branching roads that you that you come across so um and sometimes i'm very i'm invited to be very very hands-on in terms of the other aspect of your question of you know how are we kind of working out like transitions you know if it's a game like assassin's creed where you've got combat music that can occur at any time in the open world um and then but you also have like exploration music that plays when you run around on the rooftops but then you also can talk to an npc and trigger a mission which might have special music just for that mission blah 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 etc how do you work out the way these all touch each other and connect and 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 you know that that especially in the case of Assassin's Creed, you know, they had a fabulous in-house music supervisor whose job was to kind of work directly in the software to implement all the things that I was feeding him. But he and I would spend hours on the phone, you know, sometimes every day um, going through everything. And I would say, you know, I really think, and, and it gets really specific, like, okay, this piece of music is going along here and it's like, you know, beat you know one two three four and i don't i don't the music should not be able to transition on beat four only on beat three because something about the way that it's written it'll always sound awkward like a like a like a janky kind of crossfade if we do it on beat four. so we're literally going in and just getting hyper specific on exactly all the little details and then we put it in the game and we test it out see how it works and and um, you know, say things to, to really make sure that it's all very, very elegant. So I do occasionally work on games where they basically say, you know, just send us the raw, you know, guts of the music. Like if you write an orchestra piece, for example, they might say, just write a two minute piece and then send us like the strings separate from the brass, separate from the woodwinds, separate from the percussion, separate from any, you know, like choir, separate from synthesizers and electronics and uh and we'll just figure out how to make it all work with what you send i personally don't like working that way i like to to get really you know i like to get in there and work on it directly and not just um say ah it's someone else's problem because so many times 
while you're working on it, you realize, oh, I can make this transition better if I just modify the actual composition and I do this or that or that. But if the music is considered like fixed and you know frozen in time and now you just have to figure out ways to cut it, um, it limits your opportunities and it and it and it can be very you know unfortunate what results from that but like i said everybody's kind of got their own their own methods and sometimes your your job is to say you know what's uh what's the job here what are they asking me to do i don't want to um i don't want to step into somebody else's party and then start immediately telling them this is how it ought to be done <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. there's a certain amount of there's a certain amount of kind of political you know social grace that uh, you have to keep your eye on sometimes. Yeah, some tact. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. You know. and, and I don't mean to make it sound like it's some politically difficult environment or anything like that. It's just anytime you've got a group of humans trying to do something together, you just gotta read the room, you know? What kind of, what kind of vibe is, that's just natural. Doesn't matter what you're trying to do. It could be a, you know, it could be a sports team. It could be a political organization. It could be some charity, company like with that whatever doesn't your kids playing tag on the playground everybody has to kind of figure out what's the ideal uh, configuration of our different roles i wanted to ask this is something a bit more specific uh i know you've worked not just in games mm. i kind of want to find out like uh the creative process how different is it compared to you know when you compare games and film like is it really that different yeah okay, no, I, you, you get what I'm yeah no I, I totally do yeah yeah absolutely I, it's 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 funny because I, I've been asked this uh you know a few times before and and my answer has kind of evolved a lot over the years because sometimes I would say oh they're they're so different and it's not because the the act of writing music changes from one medium to another but the the medium itself defines so much about what you're doing and since film and games are really quite different from each other on a technical level the way that you properly add music to them therefore must also be very different on a technical level the, the very obvious distinction being that games are interactive and so writing music that is capable of being interactive versus music that's um you know start here end here next scene start here end here also things like the movie is 91 minutes long so there's just no way to need more than 91 minutes of music it's impossible whereas you know there are games where you know it's like i i, I worked on a on a game called erica and that game takes about 90 minutes to to beat because it's supposed to be like a feature film you know it's a it's an fmv game if you're unfamiliar it's all live action shot like a movie um and um and it plays like a movie um but there's something like five hours worth of actual content in the game because there's a huge amount of branching and so the score is actually longer than a typical playthrough because we had to write more music as well for the what you're likely to experience on any given on any game playthrough of it so like there's no parallel to that in film there's nothing even remotely similar you never have to worry about things like well how are we gonna if the if the if the audience does this or does that how do we how do we account for that do we do we how do we make the music behave in the most elegant way possible under that circumstance never mind the fact that some games are so systemically designed especially big open world games 
that the players may be able to do things that you can't even predict. You don't even know that you didn't even know was possible. You know, a very famous example of this, um, one of the most legendary examples is on the original Deus Ex, where you there were mines that you could plant, little like proximity mines. And if you you could make a ladder that went up the wall with them where you can literally jump on them because they the system registered them as as a as an object just big enough for you to stand on. So players basically essentially broke the game because they realized, oh, I can get places I wasn't supposed to be able to get to, or I can I can go around obstacles and and the designers think that that's awesome. Like they 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 discover, oh, we create a we create a toolbox of of um of uh sort of possibilities and then the player builds things with that toolbox that we never even imagined well the music has to be able to account for that because you know it's all computer software so like the obviously the result is there has to be kind of logical coherence or else the software doesn't run and so you know if you think about like okay let's just make up a scenario in the vein of something like deus ex where like say there's a building and you have to get, you know, you it's like a hotel. So you go into the lobby and then you have to go up to the third floor and then go into, you know, room 301. And the system, like sometimes we'll do what's called creating like these three-dimensional volumes uh, where like say the lobby is like a big cubic volume where as soon as the player enters it, it's like, okay, bam, trigger the hotel music because we registered that they entered in. And then the vertical shaft of the elevator is a new volume. Okay, let's shift to cheesy elevator music. And then they ride up, then they step out onto the third floor. Now we've got a new volume associated with the third floor. Let's shift the music to stealth music as they make their way. And then bam, they trigger the cutscene that is activated by the volume of room 301 and there's music attached to that cutscene. Well, if we're foolish, we design the logic of the cutscene music to say it is only possible to play this if we are immediately prior to it hearing the stealth music of the hallway. Because then what happens is, what if a player realizes they can plant mines on the outside of the hotel, climb up, make a ladder, skip the lobby, skip the elevator shaft, skip the hallway, come in through the window. If the game has a system where the window is open and you can actually do that, we've skipped all these other steps. Well, that can crash the game because, or if nothing else, it breaks the music and the music just stops playing because it's like the cutscene music, let's say the volume is set up where, you know, if we walk into the hotel room from the outside, it still will trigger the cutscene correctly because all it's looking for is have I entered into the room? Well, if the music was trying to listen for the sneaking in the hallway prior, we actually break the system because it doesn't know what to do. And so it's like, you, you really quickly start to realize, oh, I can't, I have to think in this kind of like three-dimensional way. It's non-linear. It really isn't the same thing as a movie in a very fundamental way. Filmmakers don't have anything, the most you ever have to deal with is like, if you're working on the music and they're still editing the footage, they might sometimes go, you know what? This scene actually might be more interesting if it was earlier. And then you have to just kind of redo the music to account for that. But that's, you're one and done. It's, it's nothing. And it's not like the audience has the ability to move that scene. So, you know, it, it's just technically speaking far simpler. So I always would highlight that, you know, it's very, very, um, it's very experientially different when you're writing music, knowing that it has to integrate with systems and it has to kind of think ahead about what players are, what's possible for a player to do. Movies don't have any of that. Um, but I've also offered over the years, I've also said the exact opposite where I'm like, look, at the end of the day, music is music. 
you know, I'm, I'm, my job is to help them tell their story, whether it's interactive or whether it's linear on film or a TV show or whatever, even a 30 second TV commercial. It's still fundamentally about how do I help them tell their story by adding music to it that kind of complements whatever they're trying to do. So in those ways, the differences are mostly technical, but in a, in a philosophical sense, or you could even say in a spiritual sense, they're a lot more like each other than different. I've stopped saying that though, because I think the technical differences really, they really relate to the kind of philosophical side so much um, that it's not just some detail that should be kind of seen as secondary. It really is kind of everything. So, and also it's worth adding that the culture of directors in film is really different from the culture of game developers. You know, they're different crowds. I, I got a lot of friends in both camps. I hang with a lot of directors, you know, I and I and I'll do things like, I'll, I play games with my developer friends and I go see movies with my filmmaker friends and occasionally the, the flip, but you know, and, and, and they're, they're different crowds, you know, they, they're excited by slightly different things. Although there obviously there is overlap. Yeah. I was just talking to Robin. I'm like, one of the questions that I, I really want to ask, what is the day to day life like for you as a composer? Um, like, let's say you've been hired. And also, I guess it, it, it bleeds into my other question is like describe what it's like to go from the auditioning process to like post-release like what mm. like you've, you i've been hired as a composer what is my next eight months six weeks i don't know how long whatever however long it takes what's that like great i it's a great i, I honestly don't know if anyone's ever asked me about that specifically like the kind of how to unpack an entire project in other words and and through to the post launch uh, but yeah sort of two different questions so let me day to day it's actually simple because there really isn't an answer to that like one of the joys of being a freelancer uh, is that no two days are ever alike sometimes not even close you know I do try to write music uh, like I, I rarely d don't touch music on a given day seven days a week or at least six days a week i've been trying to take at least one day off a week to like hang out with my dog and my girlfriend um but uh, but i my natural tendency is to work seven days a week and that entails writing music or going back through music i've already written and kind of revising or improving it or giving it a fresh look um you know it, it can entail just playing a build of a game uh, and and seeing how it's sounding and taking notes and compiling my feedback on uh, implementation or whatever, but it, it runs wildly all over the place. You know, these days, especially because of the pandemic, everybody exists on Zoom. So I, I usually have, I've been trying to put all my meetings on one day um, because, you know, as you might imagine, uh, you know, Projects are at different timelines, so I'm working on multiple games at once. And so they all have meetings. And so I try to do like one day of just nonstop Zoom, where I basically, I come and I maybe write a little bit first thing in the morning, but then it's like from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. I'm pretty much nonstop on calls. Um, and uh, so that, that's been kind of a new phenomenon because of the pandemic. Um, and... Um, um, but but uh, but otherwise, you know, mo most of the literally everyone just one of the trade offs you make when working with a composer is um, 
a freelance composer, I mean, is that they they are expected to self-regulate their schedule. So very often I'm not really told, you know, today I want you to do this, tomorrow I want you to do this. It's more like we move in these milestone schedules and milestones can be every two weeks or sometimes they're every two months where they're like, okay, here's how much music we need. You know, today is, what is today? September 16th. Uh, here's what we need uh, by November 1st. We'll see you then. You know, like, and then I show up and then we go through it and then, you know, okay, great. Here's what we need by New Year's Day. Like, so sometimes it's, they, they completely trust me to self-regulate and just say, you know, we'll check in on you at the next kind of interval. Um, and, or, or it's the same thing, but slightly more frequent. So that means that my days can be, you know, whatever I want. Like I've been building my own YouTube channel for the last uh, year and change really kind of like, uh, you know, we're putting a lot of energy and effort into putting, you know, hopefully decent content on there. Uh, that's uh, reflective of the things I'm interested in, whether it's sharing my own music or, or um, kind of podcasting type stuff that I enjoy doing with a few people. And, and um, so obviously that's going to be then part of my day is, you know, figuring out, okay, well, what's coming next. And I have like a spreadsheet of all my planned videos and all this stuff. And sometimes I spend hours on that. Um, and then, you know, the normal stuff, like today I have a, I have a, I have a lunch meeting with an old friend who, who doesn't, who used to live in LA, but now he doesn't. And so he, he texted me late last night and said, Hey, I know this is the last second, but lunch tomorrow. So I like moved things around and said, absolutely. Let's make it happen. You know? And that's just one of those things that, you know, some days I don't even eat lunch. <laughs> like, you know, it's a, like it's, it's, that's just what I, I always loved the randomness of life as a freelancer. I, if I was going nine to five to an office, I know that I eat lunch every day from noon to one or whatever, from 12 to 1230 or whatever. I personally find I'm not very compatible with that. I do my best work when I'm kind of slightly chaotic. Um, and I, and I sometimes I get up at five in the morning and I work really early and sometimes I stay late and I work until two in the morning, you know, or, or all night watch the sunrise. Like, I, I don't like to have a plan. I don't even, I say this all the time, but it's honest truth. I don't even drive the same route because this isn't my home. I have it. My studio is, is, is um, a separate space from where I live. I don't even drive the same way every day. Like some days I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to take the West uh, approach. Or sometimes I'm like, I feel like buying a bagel at this place. That's like way off the path. So I'll go like to this little cafe and get like a little, you know, whatever plain bagel. So point being, it's it, the, I, I find that I write my best music if I'm not in some static pattern and every day kind of feels fresh and feels like, oh, I don't even know what, like my girlfriend asks me all the time, like, what's on your schedule tomorrow? And I'm like, I have no idea. I, 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 uh, I you know, I have a lot of things on my calendar for meetings and stuff that involve other people. But I don't typically have like a, an agenda. I just look and I say, okay, well, what's due soonest? You know, what is what or what's just kind of actively in my head the most aggressively? So that's, you know, anyway, that's kind of your your question about the day to day. And and, and honestly, that that is kind of in a way the answer to the, the second question where, you know, someone hires me and and, and you, you know, sometimes your, your head, you, you hinted at the kind of how do I get hired question. Um, which, you know, like you mentioned, sometimes it's sort of an audition process or what we call demos. Um, and they will, you know, say, you know, here's the, 
general framework of what we're hoping to achieve, would you mind cooking up some music to kind of show your spin on that? And sometimes it's very specific and sometimes it's very uh, broad. You know, they're like, just surprise us. Like, here's some concept image and tell us what it inspires. And they, they intentionally don't want to have you go a certain way and blah, blah, blah. And then other times someone just calls me and says, hey, are you available? I'd love for you to be on my project. And I, there's no audition. It's just, you know, can you do this? And at any given time, my projects are kind of a balance of those. You know, there's some people that just kind of ask me, you know, every time they have something new, they just kind of call and say, can you do it? And other times uh, there's a whole elaborate process. <laughs> um, and um, and so then, yeah, once we once I actually have the job, we break down those kinds of milestones like we were talking about. We, we start to say, OK, well, what do we need to do here? You know, especially in the case of a game. Like I'm working on a game right now that I that I can't really talk about, but I can say that, you know, we've I've already been on it for a couple of years and there's essentially a couple of years more to go. So it's going to be a long time before this is even announced. But like this is one where the very first things that I did is just write some music just kind of to see, you know, like none of this will go in the game. Let's just write some stuff to listen to and it will be the musical equivalent of concept art where you look at it and you go, okay, I, I, I get it. It's, it's that kind of game. You know, like sometimes you, the, the concept art is there just to give you the flavor. It's, no one would confuse that for an in-game asset. That's not a screenshot. Um, similarly, I'll write music where I'm like, this is a theme or this is like a suite. Or I sometimes I call them overtures, like in opera, you know, like here's just 10 minutes of music that explores what I imagine the game will be like. And maybe if we're lucky, little fragments of this could be useful later. So I'll start the project just doing that if there's nothing else that I really can be doing yet because they're still too early. And then like on this project, I did that. And then um, after that, once the game mechanics started to become really understood and we realized, okay, here's what it's like. And there was, you know, a playable, very rough prototype. Then we enter into this phase where I start writing lots of music that is still not really likely gonna ship with the final game. But it's there for us to have something to put in the build so that we can see how it feels. We can play test and we can we can just and we can start to figure out how are we gonna create a musical like a, a formula, like a recipe for the systems, you know, because some games, you know, you just you enter into an area and it plays one long piece that then has a beginning, middle, end, and it just fades away and it's done. Others, you know, it's a loop that's very short because then you step into this other thing and it triggers a new loop or the, or sometimes it's a piece where you walk in and it's playing and then, you know, a bad guy pops out and it adds drums and you're adding things vertically, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a million things you can do and we're always trying to come up with new things. So it's like, I start into this research and development phase where I'm just saying, what even are those? What is the vocabulary of that? What kind of stuff is needed? Like. Do we want the music to be highly reactive in real time to the player? Does it, you know, the Banner Saga is a good example where when we tried things to react in real time, it was actually very distracting from the gameplay because that gameplay is like chess and it moves in a very slow and thoughtful and, you know, deliberate pace. And so if I make a move, that now means I'm losing because the, the under the hood math shows that I just made a bad move. I don't realize that yet. So if the music is like, oh crap, you screwed up. 
I, it, the music is telling me things that I, as a human being, don't even know. So we actually deliberately made it so the music is always lagging behind whatever choice that you made. Well, we only figured that out by playing it and realizing, oh, it's really annoying if I move my guy and then instantly the, the music changes. So there it's one where it's like this gradual, it's like the way, you know, rivers carve canyons. It's a slow process. Uh, and so, that's the phase like I'm in right now for this current project where I'm writing a lot of music and I'm only just now at the phase where I'm writing music that realistically I could I could see this being part of the final game. But it to start, it's like I, I, I free myself of the burden that this has to be part of the final game. Now it's about, uh, you know, how do I just learn the systems. And we take that all the way to the finish line. And then at the very, very, very end, I go, okay, how the hell do I make a soundtrack out of, out of, out of all this? <laughs> uh, that's like a whole other process. Uh, and then, cause the album, you know, the music in game is like all these, all these materials that are being put together and taken apart. And it's very different than just track one on Spotify, track two, track three. So that's a whole new process to then to figure out, okay, well, how do I want to how do I want to arrange all this? Can I just say something about that? I find it, this is just a very personal subjective thing. I find it kind of annoying when there's like a track I liked and it's like one minute long. It's like, why are you depriving us of like, just give us, just loop it for three minutes. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, see, it's funny. I used to feel that way, but I actually, I, I probably now am one of those people that annoy you because I try to think of the album as how do I make an album that feels like a nice album if you've never played the game it's just good because the if you like the may the music feels in game then play the game uh and if you want to listen to an album i feel like it should have the kind of dramatic rises and falls of a good album but that said of course the main reason people listen to a soundtrack album is because they played the game they remembered something of the music and they want to go find it again. So I want to make sure I'm not ignoring that. But generally my attitude is, well, look, we live in an era of Spotify, of YouTube. You know, it's really easy for someone to just like, how many videos are there of, oh, menu music for 10 hours. And I'm like, if someone really wants <laughs> that, they they can go and do it with all my support and blessings. And I'm honored that they would love it enough to be so insane as to want to make 10 hours of it. Uh, and, uh, and then I, and all power to you. So, you know, I, I try to, I try to not get in the way of people getting what they want while also doing what I want. <laughs> Coming to that, um, do you enjoy games you've worked on? Like, I know you're a gamer, so I think this like, you're one of the few people who I think can answer this, uh, in a way that would be satisfying, <laughs> like. Can you play the Bana Saga? Can you play Abzu and actually enjoy it as a gamer? Like, is that possible? It, it's a it's a it's a great question because it, it it is. I always ask actor friends of mine this: like, can you watch your own performance in a movie and not just obsess over like, oh shit, why did I move my finger that way? Or what you know, did I? What, what, my eyebrows are like not in sync with what I think the character is, and, blah, and then it's like they're not watching the movie at all. They're just obsessing over their performance. Um, and because I often talk like I've mentioned in interviews in the past how, you know, I get these really beautiful emails from people about Journey, especially of how much it emotionally affected them and how personal it was and things like, you know, I, 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 my father died and I played this music at his funeral and I, and I get these 
and it and it really means a lot to me and it but it's always fascinating because it's I, I i will never be able to play journey and like cry the way of someone who steps into it cold can you know like i will never be able to experience what they did it's impossible and but that's not to say that if i were to play it i can't enjoy it or i can't kind of marvel at it from a game design perspective um and so there, there is always some distance for sure for whatever reason the it's the banner saga is one of those that i actually have played it several times yeah. since it shipped i just found i loved the gameplay so much that i could kind of get past my own analysis of my own score and like the flaws that i would hear i could somehow silence that voice just enough not really silence but like put a pillow over its yeah. mouth uh, <laughs> and really play it like as a gamer and like really like focus like, oh shit, I gotta, you know, do I do I invest in that stat? Do I want strength? Do I want armor? And like, I can really like get into it, but it's, I think just about the only one that I've ever been able to kind of do that for. Um, and, 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 and to me, that's a very fair trade-off. Like the opportunity to be part of a great game is like, is well worth forfeiting the ability to then be part of the audience of that, especially because, I mean, there are so many great games in the world that it's not like I've, I've run out of stuff to play, you know? You know, it's like, it, it's, I've been playing Divinity Original Sin 2 and there's so many new games and it, it's like, I got to break away from this game. It's already several years old, but it's like, you know, I, like I, I do this podcast called Play, Watch, Listen and and uh, they were like okay next week everybody try to play death loop so we can talk about it and and i'm like yeah but divinity original sin is still <laughs> I, you know and i'm like well realistically i have like 50 more hours of that game you know i have to be able to stop it uh so yeah it, it, the, the good news is there's no shortage of great games to play instead but i i yeah so hopefully that kind of addresses what you're asking because it's a it's a very real thing you know it's i think a lot of people never realize like oh you can't you can't really enjoy the game's experiences that you're working really hard to create you're just kind of trusting and hoping that it works and obviously you have to like while you're making it you show it to people and say okay what happens you know do, do they do they like it am i on the right path and you know you're really reliant on outside feedback uh to 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 know if you're doing what you're hoping you're doing what have you played so far this year that you like? Yeah, this is. That this was is... my question. I was <laughs> asking, well, <laughs> that's actually my job because then. Ah, yeah, right. He, he asks the the weird questions. I ask the basic <laughs> one. So yeah, I'm I like usually it. it's the like, one. It's like good cop, weird cop, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and, I, I'm the one who usually asks, "Hey, what are you playing these days? What do you like?" That sort yeah. of thing. So it. Yeah. I'm disappointed that he's got gotten ahead of me there. I know it's okay. Well, I'll give you credit for it. Uh, yeah, I well, you know, like I said, I, I've just installed I've just installed Deathloop, so that one is next on the list. Um, and I obviously I've been playing uh, Divinity, but I, um, you know, I try to play at least to sample all the you know sort of n new releases that really catch my eye. Like I played you know 12 minutes the day that it came out. Um, I played through. Um, I was I was I was interviewing the composer of the new Rift Apart, uh, Ratchet and Clank, so I wanted to to play that game, um, and, which I was really impressed with. Uh, that that game as a as a PS5 
like flex that that game really shows you what the ps5 can do same thing i just finally caught up with miles morales and beat that the other day and uh, and again it was like the number of times that i would just stand on a rooftop and be like fuck this game is so beautiful um just blew me away um and it's so fun that both spider-man games are just so like enjoyable in your hands um and um uh what else have i uh been been playing recently um psychonauts 2 i'm a huge fan of tim schaefer I, you know i've been fan since like monkey island uh and and i those games mean a lot to me i was a i was a backer of it even and i, I still bought it because i just i'm happy to you know lend my support so um i'm trying to think what else uh, recently I, I i said i try to at least taste you know everything i you know play if only for a few minutes just to you know get a sense of it like by a few minutes i mean like an hour or two just to really feel like i i get it um i remember i felt that i i i started playing the recent hitman uh that came out a few months ago and and then i was like i gotta come back to this when i can focus on it properly i should say uh, i should bid i should bid you an excellent day uh because okay. uh, i do have to i do have to get onto some stuff before my lunch meeting but in case it cuts me off i just i'll just say thank you so so much for having me on it's a uh it's a great pleasure <laughs>